0: Alright, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We've come to the mountaintop of the book of Hebrews and we're going to take our time as we go through the book of Hebrews. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not, I don't know, I used to like rush through stuff like, gotta hurry up and finish it and get to another book. And I realized, man, the Word is so rich. We don't need to rush and this is definitely a place where we are going to set up a picnic table. We're going to put a tent out and we're going to We're going to hang out. So today we're just going to cover verses 1 through 6. And as we go through this, um, I'm going to ask people as well to kind of share uh, with us. So we'll be be inviting people. Uh, Frankie, Lord put you on my heart for the third week. So today is week 1. We got week 2 covered. And you will have week 3. Your assignment, pray for a five-minute story to share on faith how God has done something in your life as it relates to faith and uh, just anything the Lord puts on your heart, as long as it's not heretical, if it is, then I'll uh, I'll uh, throw a life preserver your way and re- try to help you out. So Hebrews chapter 11, hall of faith, we're going to see what faith is and this is kind of what we've been moving towards, Hebrews 11. Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you for Opportunity to just uh, glean, just spend some time, Lord, uh, just recognition of these who have gone before us, really for these individuals as well in first century A.D. that had an opportunity to be able to hear about the patriarchs and faith and uh, just uh, how it relates to us as your children, Lord. And so we just pray that you speak through your word and speak through us as we Have an opportunity to share. Go before our time in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's read it. 1 through 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made I'm sorry, We're not made of the things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he has... He was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we're gonna break those down, we'll get into a little introduction and see what it's about, but we'll have Roxanne share with us. She can share five or less minutes, it could be thirty seconds or it can be five full minutes. She's going to share uh, just a story of faith as the Lord brought us here to Calvary Chapel Living Water, May
1: 2010.
0: Or any story on faith.
1: To share on that, but I just feel like the Lord has kept me in faith by me trusting in Him at an early age when I became a Christian, and I think it was more. It, I think it starts by me fearing the Lord first. Mm-hmm. I learned that very early. I like, had that fear of the Lord, that reverence for the Lord, and then then trusting His word what He says. And it's so funny because everything, everything that. You sang. I was like, "How did he know?" <laughs> but I mean, I, it, it, as you're reading it, it's like fearing the Lord, trusting Him for His word, and just walking through. Even though you fear certain circumstances, you still have to walk through them. And I think that that's for me, is my faith. Like not so much hoping for things that I want, or the more like just trusting the Lord. So. for me, moving to Garden Grove was not a big step, I feel like it was a big step of faith because I trust that the Lord speaks to Johnny, and I've seen it done before, you know, time after time, so when he told me the Lord wants us here, and I was like, okay, here we go, you know, I just see it as we're moving on to another place. But, so, I I don't think that that's such a big story of faith. I think more of a big story of faith is when we're losing our house. For me. Because I was not trusting in the Lord at that time. I was trying to make things happen on my own. And until I came to that point where I realized, no matter what the Lord has good thoughts toward me, and it's going to be okay, no matter, you know, wherever we go, we're going to be okay, because God got us. I'm not kidding. The same week that that happened, everything just started falling into place. And I was like, okay, that's what the Lord wanted to see. Like, for me to truly trust that he's got me. So I think that's a bigger step of faith for me. It was just like, I saw like, the papers went through. Or it was it was like an impossible thing that I, we were like, Okay, they got the wrong numbers, but they're, they're going with it, so we're going to go with them. <laughs> It was one of those, like, okay. But, and, and the Lord just did a tremendous work, and that, to me, was like, but it took, I I'm sure I'm, I had the papers. I think I tried it, like, ten times to try to, like, modify the loan, and, and it just was not happening until the last time. It was, like, a paper. Guess we're moving, I guess, you know, like, just... Gotta go. And the Lord can handle mm. uh, So I think it's fear, trust, and faith. It's, it's, those are the the things that lead you need to build up your faith, just knowing the, the Lord. I mean, just having that fear of the Lord, trusting in Him, and a faith, and taking those steps of faith. And
0: we Amen. So Roxanne doesn't get to share very much at the Home Bible Study. She shares at the Women's Study and um, Opposites Attract. She's becoming more like me. I'm becoming more like her. It's interesting as that dynamic takes place as we age. Um, But she really likes to just be behind the scenes and quiet. So it's a blessing to be able to hear from her. I will say this. 13 years, we had never missed a house payment. And before that, we were at our townhouse for... You remember how many years we were at the townhouse? Another number of years, whatever it was. I mean, so that was a thing that we had just... When you say you pride yourself on something, it sounds like it's a prideful thing. But we truly prided ourselves on the fact that God had allowed us to never miss a payment and then to see this almost lose your house and stuff like that. Some people, maybe it's a little deal. For us, that was a gigantic deal. And so just interesting that she brought that out. That's beautiful. All right. In the book of Hebrews.
1: But I will say that coming to Garden Grove has been such a blessing because we never had that anywhere else. We always belonged to a huge church, and when we came, it was so little and it was so cute, and everybody was so hospitable. And the Lord has just brought, and my prayer has always been like, you know, bring people that are going to be believers with us, and He's done that, and I see
0: that, so I think it's just been a blessing to be here. Amen. No, oh, we still live in Downey. We trying to get out of there but get closer to you guys, oh, we might move January.
1: We, we might look yeah, in I'm January. In <laughs> you got something for us, Lou? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. January is when we're gonna determine whether that's a move God wants us to make or not. So keep it in prayer. All right. So in the book of Hebrews, the author is bringing these Jewish believers back to how important Jesus is, how significant Jesus is, how much better he is and everything that they can imagine. Their desire to want to go back has just been a temptation that I can truly understand because I I like, you know, nostalgic things. I like traditional things. I like like things tidy and order and, and You know, they're coming out of Judaism, and it was neat, man. Their whole family, and just the temple, the incense. I can imagine the smell of the incense, and just everything. And they're just, it's a struggle for them. And so this temptation is a real temptation for them. But finally now we get to this, the application of this whole book of faith. His first verse, he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Some have said that this is a definition. Some have said it's not a definition. It's definitely telling us what it is. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Um, I think it was Josh McDowell who said, faith is obedience to God's word regardless of consequences or circumstances. So I'm going to obey God's word no matter what's happening. I'm going to obey God's word no matter what might be the potential of this decision. But if God has spoken to me, by faith, I'm just gonna obey it. It might mean my death, it might mean my demise, it might mean I lose my house, it might mean I lose my job, it might mean I lose a relationship that I want, but I'm gonna obey God. And that's faith, according to Josh McDowell. So here it's he's given us faith as the proof of what our eyes materially or see in the material is what faith is for the spiritual. So your eyes see creation, right? It sees whatever. Just whatever your eye takes in, that's proof, if you will, of the material. You see a chair sitting there. You know, you see a Bible. You see a microphone. You see things. You see people. And your eyes take that in. I find it interesting that the ears are what God has chosen to develop our faith as opposed to the eye gate. And Satan has chosen to use the eye gate to deceive So be very careful with what you think you see, because you're not walking by faith when you see something. You're walking by faith when you take God at his word and obey it, and that's through the hearing of the word. So it's a whole different dynamic, and I love my vision. I love that I can see, and I'm a very visual-oriented person, but to walk by faith, it's entirely different. So when he says the substance, the thing that we can grab onto, the things that we hope for, hopefully that hope is rooted in what God is developing in you of a hope. As you delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart, right? Delight yourself, Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I believe that as you're delighting yourself in the Lord, He will change your desires to match the things that He wants to give you. And it's this awesome cycle of I'm delighting in the Lord and He's giving me the desires of my heart. He's changing my desires to match the things that I want. I remember not too long ago, I was praying about wanting to be a man of prayer. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget this. Lord, like, Lord man, I'm just lazy. I can't do it, Lord. Like I need you. I want it, but I can't do it. So as much as I want to do it, the what is it? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Weak flesh. Weak flesh, Lord. And then I noticed like sometime later, the Lord would have me waking, waking up at two o'clock in the morning over and over and over. I don't know why. What about that two o'clock? Two o'clock, we should be sleeping. Just saying, unless you're working graveyard. I think God meant humanity to be sleeping at 2 a.m. But every once in a while, I just notice. And I'm up, so I'm like, I might as well talk to God. And while you're talking to God, you're praying. That's what prayer is. And so I'm talking to God, and I reflected back like at the week, and I was like, Lord, you're sneaky. I see what you're doing. I prayed to make me a man of prayer, and you just tapped me on the shoulder and wake me up. And now I get to, and I look at it, and I'm like, man, something that you know that is good, something that you want to do, but just, ah, uh, just can't, uh discipline myself to get around to it. And then I notice, wow, God's doing that. That's awesome. And so that's the substance of the things we hope for as we hope for things that God is putting on our heart because that's a supernatural hope, right? That's not a natural hope. That's something that is born in the heart of God. Then he wants answered. I'll never forget this. Chuck Smith said, all answered prayer is born in the heart of God. All answered prayer is born in the heart of God. Why? He wants us to. He wants. I don't know. He wants to. He wants us to think that like we're doing something. I, I don't know. You know. So you look at Steve has this difficulty at work and calls his wife Frankie and she prays for it. And then all of a sudden he figures it out. Ah, born in the heart of God. Born in the heart of God. And then they get to participate in it. They get to be blessed by it. They get to have this union and communion and, and they're like participating with God and just, it's a blessing. It's this thing that God's like, oh, I'll give my kid good gifts. That's all it is. And we like rejoice in that like, dang, God answers prayer. All answered prayer is born in the heart of God. He's putting it on people's hearts. <clears throat> so the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen. And so again, Faith is coming through a different dynamic and component than the eye gate. And we know that faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. And that's how our faith is developed. Your faith is like a muscle. The more you work it, the bigger it gets, stronger it is. And that takes time. And So you can't cheat that process. I don't care how old you are, but your age in the Lord and obedience to God are what is significant in making you a man or a woman of faith. And everyone's going to go through difficulty. Everyone's going to go through hard times. And so that, that muscle of faith is being developed. Now, there's faith that has been given to every man, a measure of faith, right? The Bible says God has put eternity on our hearts, according to Ecclesiastes. With that faith, we're supposed to surrender it to God, and that's how we get saved. That's where we're born again. But there is the gift of faith to believe the supernatural, the impossible, and that's a beautiful thing. Again, God can give that, to any one of his children but there are people who have that unique gift of faith that is an awesome thing to 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 behold if you will we did a mission trip uh, it was uh, five mission trips across the country and i remember i was talking to the high school pastor and i was in high school ministry seven years and at the time been there two years because we did five of these in a row and we were talking like man we got to do something with the different with the kids and boom, the Lord just put it on all three of us. We were just talking. I think it was Jeff, Greg, and me. We were just talking. And the Lord just brought this faith, like boom, and this thing was developed of Mission America. We took it across the country, youth sharing the gospel with youth. I mean, we, we set up in front of malls at um, uh, in front of the Washington Monument, Washington D.C. We'd set up a full-on stage show, and people would come to the Lord. And we had a professional uh, skater sponsored by Vans with us. We had a comedian, a magician. We just had all kinds of stuff. It was awesome. And so every once in a while, that'll take place. Verse 2, he says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And so that's why I wanted to bring testimony into this chapter. I want people to be able to share on faith and share what God has taught them about faith or how God is developing their faith. Because a testimony is important and by it, the elders, the patriarchs, the individuals in the Old Testament that the author of the book of Hebrews is going to point to. Hey, look at this guy. He walked by faith. Abraham had to walk by faith. He's the father of the faith, but at some point he had to believe God. David had to walk by faith. Moses had to walk by faith. Moses' mom had to walk by faith. And over and over, we're going to get an account of the patriarchs, the individuals in the Old Testament, the elders that obtained a good testimony. Verse three, for by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Hey, did they have a microscope back then? Did they know that everything that's made is made of these what protons and neutrons and just more air and space than it is mass? And yet, man, that's incredible. But what he's referring to specifically is God spoke it and the world leapt into existence. He created something out of nothing. And that takes faith on our part. But what's the alternative? Well, to believe that somehow some, you know, primordial ooze, one-celled creature, you know, swam up off of the ocean or water or whatever was there. Where did all that come from? No, no, we don't want to talk about that. We just want to say that, you know, a one-celled organism crawled up and had a freckle and the sun hit the freckle. and where's the sun come from? Don't go. Get confused with the facts. And then that thing mutated. And before you know it, here we are. We have humanity. And all we have to do is is add the secret recipe of what? Time. And if we give it enough million years, oh, we'll change it. Billions of years. Then we can make people believe that the world came from nothing? No, it's easier for me to believe that the world came from God because of the order in the world. And it screams designer, right? The design screams designer and the order in the universe. So God spoke, the world leapt into existence. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more...
1: Number one, Pastor. You know, the first thing he mentioned. is prayer. Right. That's Genesis 1 and verse 1. Farrah. If you stumble over that, you stumble over everything else. Farrah. Farrah. If you can't them them. accept that my faith will the rest means nothing.
0: That's a good, good observation that, you know, he, he's starting with where God started. In the beginning, God the beginning. created the heavens and the earth. And if you stumble there, then it is going to be difficult. And what Frankie is mentioning is the Hebrew word for create. You can create something out of something. Awesome. Like you can make a brick out of water. straw, awesome. water, and yeah. some, some mud, right? Yeah. And you can make a brick. That's to create a brick out of that which already exists. Or you can do what God did, create out of nothing. So that's what Frankie's mentioning. So moving on. uh, For by, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. That's an awesome, awesome verse. But you have Abel and Cain, right? two sons of Adam and Eve, and God shows up to Abel, to Cain, and tells him, Cain, you're angry. You're angry for nothing because of this not receiving the sacrifice. Sin is crouching at the door and it's it, wants, it desires you. It wants to pounce on you, but you should rule over it. And he wants nothing to do with that. Now, one of them offers a lamb or an animal sacrifice. The other one offers the fruit of the tree, you know, plant something and for the tree. It's not in the offering. It's in the heart of faith that it was delivered. In because both of those are acceptable for an offering to God. You can offer God the first fruits of your labor, right? You can offer God a lamb or an animal. And those were acceptable in the Old Testament. So it's not what he offered. Because I see a lot of sermons built on this point right here. and And I think there's some good points to be made. I'm not going to take that away from them. But, but if you notice what he's saying, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why was it excellent? His heart. He was offering it by faith. This whole chapter is on faith. Though which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, though he being, uh, though, he, though it being dead, through it being dead, I'm sorry, still speaks. Now, does faith mean your life is going to work out perfect? Did it work out perfect for Abel who was walking by faith? He died. But you think when he got to heaven, he was sad that he offered to God a sacrifice by faith? No, no, not at all. And so we need to be careful that we don't put our eggs in this basket of humanity. Oh my gosh, I'm doing everything right, and my life is just going to charades, man. It's all messed up, and what do I do? I, I'm just going to renounce this. No, no, maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that's a sign that you are walking by faith and that things aren't going well because the enemy is messing with you, you know? So I think we need to be careful that we're not thinking that walking by faith means my life on earth is going to be perfect. It just means that God's going to go with me through the difficulties, through the storms, through the trials. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego yeah. in the fiery furnace. And Jesus is with them. Just an incredible picture. You're like, whoa, that is awesome. Okay? So Cain is, is good for us on anger Because Cain reminds us, hey, be careful with that anger. Be careful with those emotions. Be careful with what you do, what you let come out of your mouth. How you harbor that anger. You hold on to it. It's a root of bitterness. Later on, we're going to learn in chapter 12. But we want to be careful with that. We want to keep short accounts. And ultimately, we're just trusting that, man, Lord, um, reduce me to love. Reduce me to love. And then I'll let the, the rest just fall. Because if there's a single identifying mark that you want to hold as a Christian, I just, I just want to love. I want to be a person that loves. And if you don't know what love is, 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 8, give you a great, 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 great definition, right? So be careful with that as we look at Cain and Abel. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Guys, if there's something we want to do, we want to please God. Lord, here's my life. I, I surrender it to you. Use me. Use my instruments, Lord. I have hands. May they glorify you. I have eyes. I have ears. I have a tongue. I have feet, Lord. May my body, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 comes to mind. That your bodies be that living sacrifice, And that's laying that on the altar and saying, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. Revelation chapter four, verse 11. Why were you and I created? For God's good pleasure, for his will, for his purpose. Okay, let me give you a tough one. Think of Daniel in the Old Testament. We're going to see all these as we go through. But I want you to think of Daniel in the Old Testament. And for me, Daniel is just this neat guy because what he reminds me of as he's faithful at every stage, as you read through Daniel's, there's periods of time where he's absent, where he's gone, where it's not about Daniel. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go through the fiery furnace, where's Daniel? Nowhere to be seen. And I see it as a picture of God putting his servant on the shelf and saying, son, I don't need you right now. I'm going to do something over here. But and then taking him off the shelf and saying, now I need you. Another king is being raised up. I want you to be faithful like you've been faithful over here. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with God using you when he needs you? Or are you going to run ahead of God? Or are you going to tell God what he needs to be doing in your life? So Roxanne mentioned that we came from big church. It's difficult for me in my humanity to come to little church. But what God has done through it has blown me away. You trust God. You know that I've had had small groups bigger than our whole church at big church. We had a home Bible study of 150 people in a home. So coming to little church is, is, for me, a step of faith. It's saying, God, if these are the people that you want me to pour my life into, invest. And this is where you want to use me. Because what's more important? most important thing is my relationship with jesus and what he has to teach me and what he wants to show me and my communion with him so if i never had to do this or got to do this again i have to be okay with that and so again when i look at some of these people am i pleasing to god or or am i that little i don't know i guess like a little spoiled rotten brat god oh my god you're not even doing this thing for me right now god you know what 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 what's that whining Are you whining? There's no whining in ministry? What's that, you know? And so I think we need to be careful to be pleasing to God. If anybody has given birth to more than one child, you know what that looks like. You know, sometimes it's just like, oh man, this one is just so cooperative, so compliant. Thank you, Jesus. And then you got the other strong-willed ones and you're like, oh, you know? But are we strong-willed with God or are we compliant? Are we letting him call the shots? Are we letting him dictate what he wants? Are we pleasing to God? And think about that in your life. What does it mean to be pleasing to God? You have to sit with that and ask yourself, Lord, am I pleasing you? Am I pleasing to you? Does my life and my lifestyle please you, Lord? Does my day please you? Or am I just, ah, grief? Do you know we can grieve the Lord? Isn't that... Isn't that crazy that we can make God cry? Now, people have a hard time with that. Nah, nah, you can't do that. Well, the Bible tells us. We can grieve Him and we can quench Him. We can grieve the Holy Spirit and we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can douse water on the passion that He wants to bring in our lives. And why would we do that? Why would we diminish the fire and the vibrancy and the, just the passion? I love passion. I love passion. It's such an awesome emotion, right? But why would we want to diminish that in our lives? God wants, the, God wants what? Fan the flame, stoke the flame so that phew, I'm on fire for Jesus. And you don't have to be yelling and you don't have to be excitable. And you can do it with your personality. Well, I need to be like Pastor Johnny. Let's see, he was sitting there and then he did that with his hand. And I need to do that with my hand. And no, no, no. You be you. I'll be me. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. But all of this to take into consideration, Lord, am I pleasing to you? Because Enoch was, and what did God do? He took him. He had walked with God, and he got so close to God, God said, hey, son, you're closer to me than you are the world. Why don't I just bring you home? And he raptured him. That's the word in the Latin. Raptuos. From where we get our English word, raptured. So he's a type of the rapture. Enoch, by the way, and Jude is a prophet, he prophesied, and so we don't know a whole lot about him, but we know that he pleased God, God was pleased with him, and God took him home, he took him. So there's kind of like a, like if you were to do Bible trivia, you know, how is it that the oldest man in the world um, had a father... Who he died before his father, but he was the oldest man in the world. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what, what, wait. Okay, so the oldest man that ever lived in the Bible recorded, he died, but he died after, uh, before his father. How, how did that happen? Well, Enoch gave birth to Methuselah, who's the oldest recorded individual in the Bible. So, a little trivia for you. Know. Correct. He is taken. So, some believe that Enoch will be, you know, one of the witnesses. I believe it's Moses and Elijah. But, you know, some believe it's Enoch because he was raptured. So, it's food for thought. Right. We'll see. We'll see. see.
1: (laughs) Our
0: last verse. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, every once in a while I wonder why I've chosen to go after God with like reckless abandon. And then I'm reminded of Hebrews 11:6, Because you can't outgive give God. And this is an element of faith. The element of faith is first that we believe that God is, and then that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So, without faith, He's not saying it's hard to please God. He's not saying it's difficult. He's not saying you're going to have a hard time. He's saying it's impossible. It's not possible to please God unless you trust God. So it's greater than a mental ascent to believe, I believe, I believe. Are you trusting Him? And the beauty about this is we get a chance to try again tomorrow. Every day, don't we? It's like, Lord, woo. Okay, Lord, today's Wednesday. Jacked up Tuesday, Lord, but I know Wednesday's a coming. I got another chance because... Okay, I messed that one up. Sorry, Lord, forgive me. But we want to please God and we please God by walking by faith. And walking by faith is trusting God. And it's trusting that he's got it figured out. It's trusting that he has you. It's trusting that he has a plan for you. It's trusting trusting that he wants to use you. It's trusting that there are divine appointments set up in life. And I don't think it has to be at every turn and at every corner and that everywhere you go. But I do believe that you need to be open for those things. Because I think sometimes we need to develop a trust with people. Because we come out to shoot bullhorn in hand with every single person that we come in contact with and I think we lose a lot of audiences. I think that's kind of the American way of evangelism. And yet the Lord puts a premium on discipleship. You know what discipleship takes? It takes relationship. Discipleship takes time. Evangelism can be done in the moment. And any time that God puts on your heart to share the gospel with somebody, be faithful to do that. But we elevate evangelism over discipleship and yet God elevates discipleship over evangelism. Why? Relationship. God is and always has been about relationships. If there's one thing that Roxanne and I got by coming to Calvary Chapel Living Waters, relationships, relationships with people that we get to watch them. You know, we go home and laugh at most of you. (laughs) Laugh at your little lives. It's interesting, you see the young ones come in, the, the kind of the new believers, and you hear a little trial that they're going through, and it's the most devastating thing on the planet, and we're like, get a load of this one, stub the toe, and they're ready to just throw in the towel, you know, but ultimately, we get to pray, We get to come alongside. We get to be used to be encouraged and just to, hey, let's keep going. See that endurance and patience and all of these things develop. And and what I love about being where God is, is fruit. Fruit is undeniably from God. We don't touch fruit. We don't take credit for fruit. We don't put humanity's fingerprints on the work of God as it relates to the fruit that he is developing in lives and fellowships you know watching Brian with the with the Yanyo group and they're going to this progressive meal and he's telling me about houses that they're able to go to and people are sharing and how you know people are killing it like oh man this was when we got to that house it was just this and you know kids were blessed because of this and then they got to hear from this person they were blessed because of that and when i just stand back and look at that you know on sunday after church just knowing that the group goes you know there's there's a handful of people that will go and they'll eat together To me, that's like, man, this is like home Bible study, fellowship. This is koinonia. This is God fellowship stuff. And that that just blesses the heck out of me. So when we see the fruit that God is doing, we see the evidence of God working because God gets glory for the fruit. Um, He goes on, or kind of concluding with this verse, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's our call, isn't it? God's not going to force us. To diligently seek Him sounds like you're going to have to prioritize Him. It sounds like you're going to have to say no to important things to put Him as the most important thing. So, the tyranny of the urgent. I forgot who said it. It was a Stephen Covey book. I don't remember. But the tyranny of the urgent. We have all of this stuff coming into our life that is screaming for our attention, vying for our attention. And there's times that we're just gonna have to say no to some of that stuff. Throughout my walk with the Lord, Roxanne and I gave our lives to the Lord in 1986. Throughout my walk with the Lord, I've noticed I felt inside like something was wrong with life. Like I felt like this, like oh. Something's not right. I'm not living right. Like, the, my priorities are not right. And throughout many, many times in my walk with the Lord, I kid you not, I would take out a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, and I would begin to write down what my priorities were. And then on the next to it, I would put how I'm living my life. And then I would realize, whoa, these three, two things aren't matching. I'm living an, a, I don't know if it's disconnected, I wasn't walking by integrity because in, in, integrity means integrated. It's it, it, it's it's things are matching, things are lining up, and so that that uneasiness that I had in my heart was God letting me know it's my conviction, son. I'm the Holy Spirit is convicting me to let me know. You say that I'm your priority and this is what your life should look like, but look at where most of your time is being spent. Look at what you're what's driving you. I'm leading you. I'm not driving you. I'm not whipping you and beating you like a like a bad shepherd. I'm leading you, son. I'm going before you. I'm walking in front of you. You're not following me right now. That's why you have this this thing of just you're not you're not feeling good inside. I give you that. And so I would have to like, I'd have my priorities, and then I'd have what I'm doing, and then I'd have to change those things that I'm doing to match my priorities. But even with that, sometimes I would notice, wow, there's too many things that I think are important. And I would have to slice my list. You can't do everything and do it to the glory of God. Sometimes you just have to say, I need to rest. I need to be at home. I couldn't understand the importance of being at home. Roxanne helped me through the years. But I couldn't understand just being at home. I felt like I was I was wasting time. We're not doing anything. We're just watching the walls. Oh, my gosh. I got to I gotta be doing something. I'm not producing. Sometimes just being there for the kids, being there for your wife, being there, oh, that thing needs to be looked at and checked out. Sometimes that's a, it's a priority. Sometimes that's important. So all that to say that we need to diligently seek him. If there's something inside that just feels, man, I don't know, I, I want to be doing that. But something's vying for my attention, and I believe that sometimes we have seasons. Like a kid in college, man, that's a crazy season. They got, they got, you know, put their hand to the plow and don't look back and and get her done. You know, if you're going through a training program at work, well, I'm going to have this six-week intense training program. They're going to send me to Sacramento. I did that twice. Sometimes that's a time of intensity where that's the focus and that's where you're at, and that's okay. But that shouldn't be the legacy of your life. And don't lie to yourself. Well, when winter comes, I know it's going to slow down. And then I'm going to start reading my Bible. No, no. No, you should be reading your Bible every day. That's manna from heaven. That's manna. you got to sustain yourself, right? So I'm going to start praying when it gets... I've heard people say I haven't had time to pray. What? No, no. Talk to God while you're driving. Shut the radio off. Talk to God while you're jogging, exercising, whatever you're doing. Talk to God. Bring Him in. Even if it's... Short, you, you can't say, I, I, I didn't have time to pray this week. You didn't have time to pray this week? No. You got to pray. Okay? So be careful with that. Questions, comments, concerns. I'll leave it at that. I'm looking at the clock. Ronnie. There, do you think any other people that will, maybe not that
1: raise, like, you know, like in the Bible that
0: Could be could be the bible tells us that these things are written so that you know we could we could basically come to faith in god but if all the things that jesus did were written the books couldn't contain it so there's way more stuff that could have happened but i'll say that i don't believe in martians because of that either life on other planets think there's life on other planets nope yeah i believe that could be a possibility god tells us what we need to know you know next week as we look at 1 Samuel chapter, where are we at? 7? 20 years go by where the Ark of the Covenant is at one guy's house. What happened in that 20 years? The Bible doesn't tell us. We didn't need to know it. It's not germane to the purpose of what God wants to draw out of Samuel and these people in the Bible. We could speculate, but speculation, usually it's whack. That's where people come up with crazy stuff.
1: We
0: shop, Can't even go through the 66 and figure yeah, it out.
1: It yeah.
0: Yeah, we're going to try to come up with the lost gospel of Thomas doesn't exist. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that our faith is developed through the sitting under your word, hearing your word. And so I pray that as we grow in our faith, Lord, that we would trust you more and more. I thank you, Lord, that you are so patient with us. You're so gracious to us. You're so merciful with us. And I just pray, Father, that that would be a means for desiring to please You with our lives and that we would would have that testimony, Lord, that we are pleasing to You. And so I just pray throughout our day, Lord, that we would walk and talk with You, that we would fellowship and commune with You. And I thank You so much for the testimonies in this room, for the fellowship and the relationships that are being developed and just growing. And Father, we just pray that You would continue to have Your way in our lives, in our hearts, as we look to you in Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen.